Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. To get the crime writers on after show right now, go to patreon.com slash partners in crime media. I'm Rebecca Lavoy, and this is Crime Writers On. Crime Writers On is the original true crime review podcast that digs into true crime, pop culture, other podcasts. And on this episode, she was the grifting woman who tricked a celebrity into marriage. He was the aging star charged with killing her. We'll talk about the Robert Blake case in the new podcast from Wondery's Hollywood and Crime, The, the Execution, Execution of, of Bonnie Lee, Lee Bakley. Bakley. Or Do just I- Bonnie Lee, depending on <laughs> which week they're doing it (laughs) joining me to get that done and more is true crime author tv journalist and host of these are their stories podcast my husband and favorite voiceover artist kevin flynn hello kevin hello rebecca also with us is private investigator certified pet detective resident cat lady and author of dead on deadline laura bricker hello laura Hello, Rebecca. <laughs> We're going to do the voice. Bonnie Lee voice. We're going to play all the characters. <laughs> <laughs> and finally. It's a bigger cast here. Our captain of all things cynical, author of the City Trilogy, host of Strange Arrivals, and our Patreon deep dive book club podcast host. He plays all the characters. Toby Ball. Hello, Toby. Hey, Rebecca. All right. So, Kevin, uh, this is Monday's podcast. Obviously, we have a slightly different schedule in the summer. Yeah, no Thursday show. What is coming up on next Monday's show? Next Monday, we're going to be talking about the new podcast from Apple Original. Originals? No, Apple Original. It's called Project Unibomb. Yeah. It's about three little girls who go to the city to... No, actually, it's obviously about the Unibomber, right? Yes, it's Apple Originals made by... Pineapple, Pineapple Street. Studio. Pineapple, Pineapple Street, Street Studios. Studios. Yeah. It is kind of a dream team making that podcast. I'm very excited to talk about it. All right. So um, I am also really excited to talk about the podcast we're talking about in this week's episode. Are you really? I really you am. Are? As of this taping, do you know that it is the number one podcast on Apple Podcasts? Mm-hmm. Number one in America, guys. I saw that. Wow. <laughs> Just another thing wrong with America these the days. Mo- the most you think, or us. You this maybe week, it's wrong with us. Maybe it's us. Yeah, it's obvious. It's us. <laughs> We're the ones that are wrong with America. Got it. <laughs> Just so you know, I didn't know that <laughs> until uh, someone told me and I looked and I was like, hot damn. So I think we should just get to it and drop that first clip. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Leading off. Outside his door is a man. He looks familiar. 
about 60-something. Short. He's breathing hard. You have to help my wife. She's bloody and she's been beaten. They beat her up. Oh my God, call 911. Then it clicks. Jesus, it's Robert Blake, the actor. Homicide detectives respond to the shooting of a woman in a car on a dark North Hollywood street. The killing does not appear to be random, and the lead suspect is the victim's husband, actor Robert Blake. She knew he was famous, but she didn't know he was this famous. Not long after, Blake made his move. One minute he was telling a story about hanging out at the Playboy Mansion, and the next they were tearing off each other's clothes. It was as hot as the first time. Complicating the investigation are the revelations about the victim's past. Before her marriage, Bonnie Lee Bakley spent decades as a con artist, cavorting with criminals and celebrities alike, leaving a long trail of enemies. If Blake was so worried for her safety that he brought a gun to dinner, why would he park on a dark street and leave Bonnie alone? Ito wonders if he's setting up an alibi. From Wondery comes the latest series from the podcast, Hollywood and Crime. The execution of Bonnie Lee Bakley rehashes the 2001 Robert Blake case. Hosts Tracy Patton and Josh Lucas provide all the narration and dramatic dialogue. Spoiler alert, we are going to be talking about plot points from the execution of Bonnie Lee Bakley. So if you want to remain spoiler free, go to the estimated time code in our show notes to hear our thumbs up or thumbs down reviews. All right. So, Kevin, I did a little bit of Googling about the host of this podcast because okay. I was curious. Is Josh Lucas the co-host of this podcast? Josh Lucas, the actor who do you know who that is, Kevin? Uh, is it wasn't he in Sweet Home Alabama? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> He's in many things, including Yellowstone. He played the is, hometown boyfriend. Is he dating Uma Thurman? <laughs> I don't know. Ask no. Toby. No. Toby <laughs> says no. Okay. They just play husband and wife. Okay. Oh. Yes. So well, she would a, be honored he's to be an his awesome wife. husband, right? Yeah. Fake wife. Well, we yeah, have to exactly. talk about the format of this podcast. Okay, let's do that. Because there isn't just narration going on here. There's a whole lot of um, acting and part playing going on by both hosts yeah. of this podcast. I would love your thoughts on that because I was seriously taken aback by that. Uh, like a few minutes into this podcast, it started out as narration. And then I realized, wait a minute. These two hosts are playing all the parts. Yeah, I mean, I think when we talk about this, at least the way I'm going to talk about it, is look at two different things. One is the format in and of itself, which is this radio play kind of thing, and then also the content about this, the story of, of this crime. Uh, remember, this is the same format that Hollywood and Crime did for the dating game killer, which we all reviewed, and I think we all gave a thumbs down to. So the, to. Like, yeah. Look, this, I'll just say the format... Is not my thing, which obviously doesn't bode well for my review. But I, I get why there are people who, you know, are not bothered by that. They like the sort of the story and they, they'll just go along. This quasi-docudrama, it's probably, you know, thrilling to some people. It's much more story than journalism. You know, I bet they you tell them, they say, well, we're not trying to do journalism, which is why we don't hear interviews from anybody and we hear so, a little bit of archival tape. But it's mostly being told, you know, as a radio play in, in, in some senses here. Toby, you are literally making the biggest stink face I've ever seen you make <laughs> in the history of the show. 
what do you think and what did you think when you first started listening to this podcast and realized that both of our narrators here, Tracy Patton and famed actor Josh Lucas of Sweet Home Alabama fame, were going to be doing not just narration, but playing all of the parts of every character in this podcast, the cop, Robert Blake himself, Bonnie Lee Bakley, like every person in every scene. What were your thoughts as you were listening to that? Wasn't he in Ford versus Ferrari? <laughs> he did a nice job in that. Um, yeah, you know, it's not great. It seems like something that you would see. I mean, it kind of felt like a one person show, except there were two people in it where they're kind of like riffing hmm. on this story. Is that a New Jersey accent? Nutley born and bred. I'm from Morristown. That was Bonnie's opening. You look like you work out. Men loved flattery. Yeah, every morning, crack of dawn. Blake flexed his arm. She reached out and touched his muscle. Wow. There's a lot of stuff that they say or talk about people thinking that they can't possibly know. Or at least if they do, they're not tipping their hand to where they found it out. So in some ways, it seems like it's more of like kind of an essay about this particular case with whatever they think is kind of interesting or important or just made up about it. It's just it's just really hard to follow like what you're supposed to take seriously and literally. And then there's stuff that you clearly cannot. And, you know, how does that fit in? And then every once in a while, they'll throw in some archival audio which, to be quite honestly, once you get used to hearing them pretend that they're these people, <laughs> when you actually hear the real people, it's a little bit jarring. Like, why don't you just have Robert Blake? You got to have like hours and hours and hours and hours of tape of Robert Blake. Why don't you just put him in? Like, if the part of the idea is that sort of the pathos in his life and in his personality and stuff, and you've got all this tape, why aren't you playing it? Like, I didn't quite understand that. So anyway, I, I agree with Kevin. It's not my cup of tea. And, and maybe we can talk about this later. But one of my questions is, could somebody do something like this well? Hmm. Like, is this a format that has possibilities in the right hands? Or is it just so, like, kind of out there that at least for our sensibilities, there's there's just nowhere to go with it? We've been so tainted by this like ridiculous telling of this story that I can't even like think that there would be a good way to do this, Toby, because I'm just like, I actually didn't figure it out in the beginning that it was the same people. Cause I'm like, there was so many things. Ha I'm like, what the frick is going on here? <laughs> like it was, it was a little like disconcerting until you got into it and you're like, Oh, wait a minute. What? So I, I don't know. I don't think it can work for anybody, but maybe there's somebody out there that can do it. Has anybody besides me listened to an episode all the way through and listened to the credits of one of these episodes? I caught the credits at the end of episode three. Did you catch the credits when they say that they've made up dialogue in the in the podcast? Yeah. Okay, so they do acknowledge, because I listened to the first episode and I was like, they are making up dialogue and making up inner monologue. They're just making it up. And they have to be making it up because there are so many scenes where they could not possibly have known what somebody knew, what somebody thought. Like they say things like, Bonnie Lee took a deep breath. Robert thought, whatever. And it's like, you can't know that. Yeah, there's a great one when he meets the baby. <laughs> She's finally snagged herself a celebrity. Blake was surprised to find his palms were sweating. He quickly wiped them on his pants. You want to hold her? He couldn't remember the last time he'd held a newborn. His kids were grown up. 
He reached out and gently lifted her into the crook of his arm. Then he sat down on the couch and peered into her eyes. In that moment, he knew in his heart she was his. How do you know that? You don't know that. His palms were sweaty. Yeah, you don't know any of that. So they say in the credits, we have made up dialogue for dramatic purposes. They just say that. Let me be devil's advocate. How is that different than uh, a docudrama on television where they do the same thing? It's not. I'm just saying they do that and they say that. And that, honestly, it's fine. But they should freaking put that in the beginning of the podcast, not the end, because that is very often what happens like at the beginning of things that you see on on TV. I'm just saying it is weird to put the listener through this experience and then bury it in the credit. It's just a little bit weird. Yeah, it is weird because you don't usually get right that kind of interiority with any other kind of podcast narrative. And I think that part of, you know, at least for me, is like, okay, well, there's not the format. Can it be done well? I think Toby just posed, you know, that rhetorical question. The dialogue, the way it's written, is not helping with the performances. Really? Right? It's like bad Raymond Chandler stuff. He thought back on the evening. (laughs) What a gas. It was great to see some of the regulars at Chadney's. And then there was the girl. An unexpected turn. How many 65-year-old guys are making it in the backseat of a car with a woman 20 years younger? Yeah... He still got it. Especially when you have characters like this to begin with. If it's supposed to be, you know, Robert Blake, tough guy from New Jersey, chip on his shoulder, going to talk like, you He's know, already cartoonish who, who to begin with. Who loves you, baby. Right? Yeah. Don't yeah. do the crime if you can't do the time, is what I'm going to say. Let's talk about that, because we already are talking about outsized cartoonish people. And listen, I, I know that Bonnie Lee Bakley was murdered. And let's just, like, say it. It's a horrible story of a woman being murdered. But she honestly is, a murder aside, a unbelievably noirish, cartoonish character. Femme just fatale? like on her, I mean, on her, you couldn't make it up, right, Laura? I mean, this is somebody who, I mean, obviously was a victim in her own life of her mm-hmm. of her dad quote being fresh with her. She was obviously like molested by her dad and had a horrible childhood. But the way that she conducted her adult life was insane you know just like serial marrying guys dumping him at the altar in like reno nevada or like the desert of nevada and like running off with their money running these scams through the mail like impersonating an fbi agent with a taiwanese uh foreign exchange student to bilk him of tens of thousands of dollars like the scale of her scams was really off the charts and this idea that her driving force was to marry a famous person is bananas. The whole thing is bananas. And that's why I would like more about her background. Like, we have her background, but that to me was more interesting than her relationship with Robert Blake and how she goes out trying to snag him. Because I'm like, nine times, like, lucky nine lives. Like, I, I just, I want to know more about that. I want to know you know, more about like where those guys are now, what happened to them. I just, I found her background and just the fact that she was able to pull so much off. I was looking up some more information about her because I was just, I was more interested in like that angle. And I found there was a book about the case and one of the co-authors had the best thing to say about her, which I just, I mean, if you can add this to your resume, she was an entrepreneur in the world of pornography way before the internet. 
Mm, and I'm like, old school. I was like, that's something to add to your credits. But you add all that into this obsession with marrying a celebrity and hearing the length she's going to, like she like found out where this person went for like their dry cleaning or went to this person's restaurant or like weaseled her way into these situations. I mean, it's it's really, you know, that's dedication. Yeah, but Toby, I'm interested in that. I mean, I actually honestly would be a little bit interested in that pathology, you know, just as like a like a human study. I mean, I, I, I think this is done in a very voyeuristic, exploitative way that does not do a service to this human being. I mean, this is something that her daughter has come out and talked about recently. Like her mother, Bonnie Lee Bakley, has been turned into a caricature because she was this victim and because she was, in fact, a scam artist. She was. I mean, that's a fact. But she was also a murder victim. But there really is a pathology here that I think is potentially interesting, right? A person like this doesn't come out of nowhere. The scale is interesting. The methods are interesting. And it seems unusual. And in this podcast, it's largely, I think, played for laughs in a way, if that makes sense. I think for both of them, actually, I think Robert Blake is is sort of the same way in that they're their stories leading up to their meeting are actually quite a bit more interesting than their actual interactions with each other. And I felt like on both ends, you know, they just kind of blow through this whole thing about her, you know, marrying all these people and leaving them at the altar or whatever, whatever you just said. But they don't, you know, it's like a statistic. It's like, oh, wow, that many rather than like even taking a couple and just spending a little time with it. Again, like having a little more sensitive, nuanced look at her background is both victim and grifter. How did she keep doing this without getting caught? Blah, blah, blah. How does this kind of play in with her, you know, supposed obsession with celebrities? And then with Robert Blake, like you do get some sense of his career arc, but I just didn't feel like, like when she finally meets him, I just didn't have a sense of what his deal was. Like, is he like the kind of guy who goes on like the Hollywood squares? Is he like in that category or is he just like, I'm just hanging out with my buddies like it's over and I'm just going to live it out? Or, I mean, I just didn't have a sense. And so what you do is they set up in this very general sense. It's like grifter meets washed up actor and let's see the sparks fly. But you don't, I mean, there's, you know, I hate to say you don't have any investment in them, but they don't, I mean, they are sort of two dimensional characters the way they they played it it's like you've sort of gotten a bulleted list of their background without any real sort of understanding of them bp added more than 70 billion dollars to the u.s economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in california and starting up new infrastructure in the gulf of mexico it's and not or See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. All right, so Kevin, here we are. I think it's time for you 
uh, to do your business. What do you think, Kevin? Oh, can we just, yeah, take a minute away yeah. from this discussion and talk some wait, business? Wait, and then Kevin did his business. I opened the door. <laughs> came in. <laughs> yeah, on the Crime Writers on After Show, we're going to be talking about <laughs> casinos. Yes. And owls. Yes. Scary oh. owls. Yes. Potentially murderous owls, yes. Toby Ball is and they're not begging impressed. calls, yes. They're begging. What are those owls begging for? And, Blood! And can I finally Blood. and can I finally tell my jumpsuit hazard story? You keep forgetting, but Great. we'll see if you do. It'll be very brief. Also want to let you know that for Patreon supporters, they're gonna get a chance to watch the four of us do this stupid show live on Zoom. We're having a Zoomy webinar kind of thingy. And that is going to be recorded on July 14th. Ooh. Said we're going to be talking that night about Only Murders in the Building Season 2, so it should be a good show. Yay! So look for links in your Patreon feed. That's going to be 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the 14th. Very exciting. Uh, and by the way, if you want to know more information about things we got going on behind the scenes, and if you want to see the special every 4th of July, get this special shirt for Independence Day. It says, Fighting for Criminal Justice Reform is patriotic. Something like that. Big I have that shirt. Is, yes. I have that shirt I wear all the time. I always get compliments. All right. Yeah. So, Kevin, before we end the business section, do we have any Patreon patron saints of the week this week? Yeah, sign up for the newsletter at crimewriterson.com. Uh, yes, our Patreon patron saints are Julie Johnson and Bruce Campbell. Bless you. Bless you guys. Thank you for supporting us on Patreon. And of course, thank you everybody for listening to the show and all of us who support us on Patreon. So Kevin, does thus end the business section? Yeah, thus ends the business section. I'm going to fade that music out right now. So Kevin, what do you think of the portrayals of Bonnie Lee Bakley and Robert Blake? Because they are on their face. I don't know if the podcast does a good job fascinating people. First of all, I did yeah. not know that Robert Blake was a little rascal. Did you? Yes, I did. Yes. How did you know that? Which little <laughs> rascal was he? He was a tough guy. Really? No, I, I don't I don't remember which little rascal. <laughs> How many he, little rascals can you name? Was he Petey? <laughs> uh, there's Spanky yeah. and Alfalfa and Buckwheat yeah. and uh, Stymie uh-huh. and uh, Petey the dog. Pete's dog, Darla. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, Darla. That's about it. Yeah, I can't remember. So he wasn't Pete the dog or Porky? Darla. No, that's Spanky. Yeah. So yeah. what did you think of their portrayal? He was in this... Mickey. Yeah, Mickey's a, a little rascal that I remember. Oh, look at this. Lara has a photo of Baby him. Baby Blake. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm a tough guy. Little He's baby Beretta. Pop somebody. Because he could cry on cue. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, Rebecca, actually, your question was. What do I think of the characters? What do you think of the portrayals well, in this podcast? Yeah, yeah. Like I, I do want to give you know some one of the positives of this is that this really the story itself is really interesting. And yeah, one of the things we have to think about is how do you portray Bonnie Lee because she is a victim, but as a person, she's not sympathetic. So how do you make an unsympathetic person a sympathetic victim? Because if you lean a little too much on dragging her through the mud, you're doing the defense's work for them. So I do find, you know, sort of objectively that these two people and their character and their personalities and stuff, this is a really good selection for a 
Hollywood crime to go back and, and look at. But, you know, I think we've already discussed a lot of sort of our other concerns about this podcast. So one of the things that I thought was interesting, the only part so far that I thought was interesting, aside from the fact that I think that the format is bonkers. And frankly, I will tell you, and I'm just going to tip my hand here. I think this is one of the best hate listen podcasts I have ever heard. Really? Like I really would love to do with you, Kevin, like a mystery science theater 3000 where we listen to this podcast live and talk about it as we are listening to it, like dip it down. <laughs> and like as we were doing in the car, as we were listening we to it. $7 Patreon level. Oh my God. Like there were, we listened to the first episode of this together in the car and I just uh-huh. kept hitting pause. Like, right. And I yeah. would be like, oh my God. We have to talk about that. I mean, it's it's incredible. It really just is like the fact that this was made and the way it was made. I just don't know what the people in the room like. Were they were they serious? Were they laughing at the listener while they were making it? Did they think that? No, this is their jam. This is the this is the uh, the format that I they don't go with, know. and they're leaning into it. But now, it was. But they had, they thought it was funny though, right? They had to have thought it was funny. They had to have. They had to have. It's 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 straight up funny on so many levels. Anyway, the one part that I thought was interesting was the Robert Blake story about his kind of like older years comeback, right? So he had been this washed up actor and then it turns out that he's on this like, you know, part of his career where he's the only thing that he's kind of good for is going on late night talk shows and telling stories. Uh And I thought that was super interesting. It sort of reminded me of like Mickey Rourke like pre-boxer era Mickey Rourke, where he's just like a character, a guy in Hollywood who's like not really doing anything, but everyone knows who he is. And then he gets that one part that like gets all the critical acclaim. I kind of feel like Robert Blake was on that trajectory, right? Mm -hmm. But hearing him in that tape in Johnny Carson, I thought it was like, that's a real person. And that's the first time I thought of Robert Blake as a real person outside of this murder in decades. You had to have or had a reputation for being uh, rather outspoken, and it got you in a few scrapes here and there. I don't do that no more. You don't do that anymore? Nope. School, you problems? I don't agree with nobody about nothing. I don't say nothing about it. Carson smiled. Blake never hit his troubles. All right, so one of the things I want to ask you about, Laura, is Bonnie Lee Bakley's habits. This is a grifter which is true, by the way, I'm not insulting her, it is actually true, uh, who kept meticulous records and recorded all of her phone calls. You got to give her credit for that, right? Yeah, I mean, I was, I definitely have to say, I was kind of impressed by the fact that she had this, like, you know, the ability to think ahead, like, geez, I might need this someday. So I am just going to record every single thing that uh, happens with all of these celebrities and jailed celebrities or whoever else she's hanging out with but that's some dedication like did she have like a room where she had these all cataloged did she have little boxes like this is like the Robert Blake box and this is like you know the well I don't know prison phone calls you probably couldn't record um if she was talking to what's his face Christian Brando Hmm. but did we hear like again there were some of these purported tapes that were played where you can hear in court that you know he is accusing her of double crossing him and all that stuff but was that reenactments? Were those real tapes? No, those were real tapes. When he call, when she calls him about the baby, those were real tapes. Because that's the part that was so confusing after all the like weirdo acting that was going on was like, oh, that would be like, you know, when I used to get to listen to like jail phone call tapes and I would just sit there for hours and we hear like a short snippet. But what else was on there? Yeah. Yeah. 
um, speaking of her being like the first entrepreneur in the world of pornography. Yep. So, Toby, I kept thinking about you whenever they would have a scene with Detective Ito and the police squad because you're a noir novelist and they bent over backwards to describe these scenes in the police department as like it was like a noir novel. <laughs> Hard-boiled detectives wearing suits to demand respect, drinking coffee in the squad room. What did you think of sort of the portrayal of these LAPD detectives and Ido in particular? I mean, they dropped a lot of O.J. Simpson references. They sort of dropped a lot of like talk about this investigation and like I just found the police stuff to be incredibly ham-fisted the way it was presented on this podcast and all I could think about was the way that you would think about it the entire time I was listening to it if you know what I mean yeah I mean it's kind of comical I mean I, I just kind of feel like with a lot of stuff it just didn't seem like a whole lot of thought was put into it it was like let's make this seem as noiry as possible because it's a noiry type story and that includes you know let's write the cop stuff like it's noir but without a whole lot of attention to what makes good noir or, you know, how noir it really is. He grabs his keys and hurries out the door. Beretta. What was his catchphrase? Don't do the crime if you can't do the time? Good advice. More people should take it. It would make his job a lot easier. You know, I think just like the rest of it, it was like I couldn't quite... Like, I could kind of figure out what they were thinking, but I couldn't quite figure out why they were doing it the way they did it. Hmm. All right. So, Kevin, um, real life story spoiler alert. Robert Blake. This happened a- 20 fucking years ago. <laughs> There's literally no spoilers in this podcast. Correct. Robert Blake was acquitted of this crime. Yeah. When I saw this podcast coming out, I was like, how are they going to handle this? Yeah. So what are you thinking so far? Because they have already basically said that Robert Blake kidnapped Bonnie Lee's baby. They described that crime in a very detailed way, in a way that's not necessarily, I don't know if it's provable. I don't know how. Wait how, a minute, he kidnapped his own baby, Rebecca. Allegedly. Allegedly. Uh, I don't know how documented that is, for instance, but... What do you think of the fact that this was made in the way that it's being made, given the fact that we know factually that Robert Blake is ultimately going to be acquitted of this crime? Well, I think the issue, well, I, I, I don't know, but the problem is that, yeah, you cannot slander him in it by saying that he did it because you cannot legally assert that. So it does change the way that you have to tell the narrative. Now, we haven't gotten that far in the series to see exactly how they play that. But in a way, you know, you have no choice but to pull a punch because you can't put the gun in his hand and pull the trigger. Not the way they're doing it, yeah. You know, you just can't do that. So you have to kind of work around that. And so that's a challenge for them. And we'll have to, I was going to say, we'll have to see how that happens, but. I won't be seeing how that happens. <laughs> well, I just kept thinking about that. I'm like, if this podcast was done any differently, like if there were any like third person reporting style in this podcast, there's an opening. Yeah. Think about how they did Candy, right? Yeah. Candy was acquitted. And so they have, you know, the scene in the, not the courtroom, but yeah, I guess she's giving testimony and then they dramatize the way she said it, it all went down. Yeah. And it had to be played that way without a lot of narrative pushback because you can't legally say, you know, Candy was a first degree murder. to do it. Yeah, you know, whatever. So in cases like that, it becomes problematic 
because how are you going to tell the story in a way that is truthful to the audience, but also keeps you out of court? Correct. And this isn't the kind of podcast, because of the way they're doing it, they're dramatizing events, they're making things up, but they're also relying on a couple of books as sources. But there's not enough reporting where someone can reasonably or enough even opinion yeah. where someone can even reasonably say, it's my opinion that the courts got it wrong and that he did it. They're yeah, not even. If, yeah, if you had the actual Detective Ito, yes. he might be able to say, quote, I think he did it. I still I, think he I did it. I still think he did it. It's hard to do that in a docudrama, a movie, a miniseries or in a podcast. like Yeah. This. Laurie, what are your thoughts? I guess that goes back to, you know, telling the story in this particular format and choosing to tell it as a docudrama. I mean, it's 2005. He was acquitted. It is now 2022. I guess my sort of feeling is if you're going to be retelling a podcast that many years later, after this guy has been acquitted and this is still considered an unsolved case, why is this relevant now? Is there new information? Are there new suspects? Is there another theory? Why did he get acquitted? Like X, Y, and Z, instead of just like making this like heavy breathing, over dramatized kind of telling of the story, it just it seems like there's more of an opportunity to make this relevant by telling it from a different perspective. But obviously, that is not the way this story was even set up to being told. But that was what I was thinking about as I was listening to it. Like, okay, it's how many years later? <laughs> Almost twenty. Yeah, you know. Well, apparently, he couldn't do the time, so maybe he. Didn't do, do the, the crime. Yeah, that makes crime? sense. That's uh, very well reasoned. I don't know. Judge Alito. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. All right. Well, I think we should do what we do. Let's let our listeners know, should they check out Hollywood and Crime, the execution of Bonnie Lee Bakley, otherwise known as Hollywood and Crime, the execution of Bonnie Lee, depending on what you're looking at when you look for this podcast. (laughs) Uh, Laura Bricker, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for the execution of Bonnie Lee Bakley? Uh, This is a thumbs down. The crime itself is interesting. Bonnie Lee as a character is very interesting. But this like cheesy, over-the-top narration, crazy telling with all these sound effects and like overly dramatized and imagined feelings and conversations was just for me, it was just too much. Like, you know, I love some of the over the top podcasts, like when Dateline does something or, you know, when it's, but this was done over the top in a way that just did not work and was pretty bad. So I'm sorry, but it's a thumbs down. Toby Ball, what do you think? I'm not that sorry that I'm giving it a thumbs down. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, 
it is the kind of thing that should start off with a like inspired by real events or inspired mm. by true events, uh-huh. right? Because they, when they're putting it as true crime, I think there's some expectations for this kind of thing and that they should be rooted at least somewhat in journalism or something. Mm-hmm. And this seems like you've taken like sort of the broad outline of what happened and then they're inserting a whole bunch of stuff to make it more dramatic. And the stuff that could be interesting, like the backgrounds of the two main players are really subordinated to sort of very long sort of telling of, I don't even know how to describe it, but Bonnie's sort of trying to, you know, get a relationship with Robert Blake and sort of the ups and downs of that. And all, and all this, it's just not that interesting. And then it's just the way it's made. is just bizarre. So anyway, it's, it's a big thumbs down for me. It's number one on the charts. I don't, I don't get it. Kevin Flynn, I would love your thoughts on Hollywood and Crime, the execution of Bonnie Lee Bakley. I'm with Toby and Laura. I'm a, a, a thumbs down. I would give you know one sort of one positive comment. If this were a true crime book, much of this might work on the page. No, no. So, well, <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's my turn to talk. <laughs> You can get away with sort of that tough guy noir somewhat if you don't have to say it out loud, right? Because it is structured a lot like an old school true crime book. Things change a lot from our first true crime book to our, our last true crime book where there was, you know, a de-emphasis on interiority and creative nonfiction techniques and a little more journalistic attribution and things like that. I don't think the people that are enjoying the podcast, and there are many, are at all worried about that. I'm sure that the people at Wondery and Hollywood Crime are going to cry all the way to the bank. Uh, but for me, this is not the kind of thing that uh, I particularly care for, and that's why I'm going thumbs down. Wow. I don't think this would work as a book at all, Kevin. I uh, <laughs> I don't even get it, what you just said. Um, so, yeah. So this is a thumbs down for me in a slightly different way. Um, this is so cheesy in a way that I actually like, but, like, it's not a good podcast. It's just not. I know that it's popular, but so is The Bachelor, and The Bachelor is a freaking terrible TV show. By the way, there are some really great dating TV shows that aren't The Bachelor that are worth watching. Like Love is Blind Season 2, for instance, is actually, like, an excellently edited, really well-made dating TV show. The Bachelor just sucks, but millions of people like it. Or Sweet Home Alabama. No, <laughs> shut up. Uh, but this podcast is just cheesy and real bad. And I agree with Toby. One thing that it should have at the very beginning, and if it were on TV, it would have it, is this podcast is inspired by true events. Much of the dialogue was dramatized for fictional flow or for narrative flow. It would have that at the beginning, like on a title card, right? It would. Mm -hmm. And the fact that that is buried in the credits just makes the experience of listening to this completely bizarre. Uh, so, yeah. You think like Orson Welles, they fooled everybody? Oh, I don't know. No, no, I don't think anyone was. Well, the whole set, but this is the whole thing. And I don't, I don't want to like shit on podcast listeners, but people listening to true crime podcasts, as new as a genre as it is, there is some naivete like in the listenership. I know that there is because I look at our freaking social media and people, I think, do not necessarily distinguish between this 
and narrative journalism. I, I, I honestly think that there is not enough great narrative journalism out there. I think something like this can pretend that it's that. And some people think that they are listening to journalism. I really think so. I do. By the way, I'm not talking about our listeners. I am talking about like the probably you see, when you see what you see on Twitter in general. I am yeah. talking about what I see on on Twitter in general, not our social yes. media. social media. Our listeners know quality stuff. Exactly, exactly. Just to be clear, so a huge thumbs down for me. This podcast is freaking terrible. That being said, it is a freaking great hate listen. So if you want to listen to something real bad that you're going to laugh at, I'd give a secret thumbs up to Hollywood and crime. Uh, execution of I'm finally Blakely, but personally, big thumbs down for this podcast. All right. Well, now it's time for my other favorite part of the podcast, a little something I like to call the crime of, of the week. The week. If you're looking for a good night's sleep, don't check into the Switzerland hotel. A pair of twin brothers who are conceptual artists have created a zero star hotel. The room has no walls or ceiling. It's just a double bed and two lamps set up next to a gas station on a busy road. The brothers say the point is not to sleep and to use the time to contemplate the world's greatest problems. Mm. So instead of hanging a do not disturb sign on the door, you can toss and turn thinking about climate change or man's inhumanity to man while tractor trailers roar by. <laughs> the brothers have created other zero star hotels, but those were all in idyllic locations like the middle of a vineyard and a picturesque hillside. They say it was time to make one that was anti-idyllic. The accommodations may be zero stars, but the price says otherwise. Lodging is $337 a night. So panel, it's zero stars, but it can't be all bad. Tell us something good about your stay at the Zero Star Hotel. Laura Bricker, what do you think? Uh, they certainly make checking out a breeze. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Toby Ball? What is it upside of this zero star hotel? Uh, plenty of diesel fumes. Yeah. yeah. What do you think, Kevin? What is the upside of this zero star hotel? Left with zero inclination to masturbate. Oh, you know what mine is? What? Next to a gas station, plenty of Slim Jims to snap into. <laughs> but wait, this does come with butler service. Oh, it does? Yeah. So that's a good thing. I guess. That is an upside. Where's the butler? Does he hang out at the gas station? Probably, yeah. Oh, you right. ding ding, and he. I don't know. Oh, it's like it's like the thing that you hear when they you like roll in into a full service gas station. Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah, I guess it's breakfast in bed. Does he come out yeah. and like wipe your non windows with that squeegee thing? <laughs> All right. Well, that's gonna do it for us. But before we go, Laura Bricker, do we have a cat of the week this week? <laughs> The cat of the week this week is Pedro. His nickname is Little One, and he is a very special little chihuahua who likes to show his cheeky spirit by sticking out his tongue on a 24-7 basis. His interests include snuggling on top of clothes that have been laid out for the day, sleeping in his mother's suitcase when she's trying to pack for a holiday, being afraid of his very own tail, bark, and basically everything else, doing doggy yoga when he wakes up, and most um, in line with my personal like likes and dislikes, attempting a bacon heist when he crawls inside the McDonald's bag and gets dangerously close to the egg McMuffins. Mm. Nice. Well, he sounds like a very good cat indeed. Lara Bricker, if folks want to reach out to you and submit their cats to be cat of the week and crawl into that McDonald's bag, how can they find you on Twitter to send you pics? 
They can find me at Lara Bricker. And Tommy Ball, folks want to reach out to you and see what your face looked like as you were talking about this podcast that we discussed on this episode. How can they reach out to you on Twitter to see your pics? It's going to be hard to recreate, but um, at Toby Ball and H. And Kevin Flynn, what about you? How can you be found on Twitter? I got up, went over, and splashed some cold water on my face. <laughs> Damn, it's such a great podcast. <laughs> then I walked out to Kevin P. Flynn. And if you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, you can find me at Reb Lavoy. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Crime Writers On, and I encourage you to join our incredible community and our official Crime Writers On Facebook discussion group. Support the show at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. You'll get the Crime Writers On after show, Married with Podcast, Laura Bricker's Leave It to Bricker Podcast, and Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club Podcast. Our theme song was composed and performed by Ty Gibbons. Our line editor is the handsome Olivia Burdett. The executive producer of this program is Kevin Flynn. This show was recorded in the yoga loft above the bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio, otherwise known as Studio C, the closet in our New Hampshire basement where we do all the voices ourselves. On behalf of all the crime writers, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you later. Later. Now, Kevin, I've got a question for you mm-hmm. because I did not check and I should have. Is this Josh Lucas? Josh Lucas, the actor Josh Lucas? I don't know. You should think of a different question. All right. Me. Okay. Yeah, I don't all right. Know I'm answer. just... A, wait, can I just look? Wait, but can you hit pause? I'm just, I Who is Josh Lucas? He's a fucking actor. He's Who been does? in a bunch of things. Yeah, I don't know. He's in Yellowstone, Ford versus Ferrari. He's 5'11 and a half. <laughs> Josh Lucas has wiped all photos and videos from his Instagram account with girlfriend Rachel Mortensen vanishing without a trace. What? Yeah, it's him. His girlfriend vanished without a trace. Is he dating Uma Thurman, Rebecca? I don't know. Why do you ask? Well, because he denied there was anything going on through a rep. He would be so honored, but alas, we just play husband and wife in The Parisian Woman. And he's the best fake husband ever, she said. Oh, you know what he was in? He was in, wasn't he in uh, Sweet Home Alabama? Rebecca, are they going to do a Sweet Home Alabama too? Yeah, he played Reese Witherspoon. Who fucking cares? During a Facebook live chat back in 2016, Witherspoon gushed over the film and revealed that she'd be down for making a sequel. Oh. I love Sweet Home Alabama, Witherspoon said. We are not making a sequel that I know of, but if Disney wants to call me, I would happily make a Sweet Home Alabama too. Aww. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.